Masechet Nedarim, Daftet Vav. We begin with a new Mishnah on 14b. Konam Shani Yashen. Shani Medaber, Shani Mehalech. If someone says, it's forbidden for me to sleep. If I sleep, it is uh, prohibited, like konam is a, a shorthand for korban. Uh, so prohibited, like a korban, that I will not sleep. So he's he's making a neder, he's not going to sleep. Or shenim daber, that I will not speak, uh, right? It's prohibited for me to speak. Or that I will not, for me to walk. For me to walk is like a korban. Uh, all these are binding vows. Uh, nedarim. Now, although we said that a neder has to be on an object, not on an action, or 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 um, or um, uh, has to be something that's that's there. Uh, nevertheless, these are binding. The Gemara will explain why. According to one opinion, Gemara Ravina, these are only midrabanan. Okay. Or the fourth example, someone says to his wife, uh, it will be prohibited as a korban for me to have relations with you. That is binding, and he will, he will not be able to have relations. Gamada will ask, how can he do that? Doesn't he have an obligation for ona? Okay, so that's the Mishnah. Uh, these four actions, if I say I'm going to do these things, it's prohibited to me like a korban. These are all binding, and he will violate the biblical prohibition, lo yachel devarot. does sound from the fact that it quotes this pasuk that these are deoraita. Um, but we'll have, give a couple of answers to that. All right, the Gamada is going to bring a different case, but it's related to the Mishnah because we're going to use the Mishnah to ask a question about one of the following upcoming opinions. Itemar. There is a prohibition against my eyes uh, in sleeping today if I sleep tomorrow. Number one, we see here at the interesting formula, the vow applies to his eyes, which is a physical object. So we can, um, this neder can easily uh, apply to this, to the part of his body that it should not sleep. Uh, which is um, a, va- a, a formula that fits more with a neder than kondam shani yashen, which is an obligation upon himself, uh, an action that he will do. This is an obligation upon an object that happens to be his eyes that they should not sleep. Okay, anyway, but the main point here is that there's a condition here, a condition that my eyes should not sleep today if I sleep tomorrow. I'm going to translate the opposite because in English we usually say the if first and then the then, and the Gemara is always going to give the then first and then the if. So the point is, if I sleep tomorrow, then I'm not allowed to sleep today. So I know this is backwards. It works retroactively. The main point is, I have to stay up either today or tomorrow. So that, because if I sleep tomorrow, that's uh, right. If I sleep tomorrow, then the condition says I have to not sleep today. That's fine. If I don't sleep tomorrow, then the condition will not be triggered. That's the if will not be triggered. In that case, I could sleep today. So that's the point, um, either today or tomorrow, although the, the if then is, does work backwards here. That's the case. What is the law regarding today? Can I sleep today or should I not? Rav Yehuda says the name of Rav. We're going to uh, refer to this as just Rav Yehuda from now on. You should says you should not sleep today because you may sleep tomorrow. It's hard to control and you may come to violate it tomorrow. So this is good advice. He probably saying is more than good advice. It's prohibited to sleep today 
because we're worried that you that you may sleep tomorrow and then you will violate. So I fulfill the condition today just in case you trigger the if tomorrow. That's Rav Yehuda. Rav Nachman Amar Yishan Ayom Shemayishan Machar. Rav Nachman says it's your choice. If you want to sleep today, you can, and just make sure that you don't sleep tomorrow. And we're not worried, right? If a person makes a vow, then he's going to take it seriously, and that way, if he does sleep today, so hopefully he'll get a really good sleep, so that he can stay up all day tomorrow. And we're not worried. He's going to know that if I on the next tomorrow, if he's not going to know if I sleep on that, this day, then retroactively. I will violate my vow. So he'll make sure not to sleep tomorrow. That is the machloket between Rav Yehuda and Rav Nachman. However, Rav Yehuda does agree in the opposite case. If a person says, um, uh, if I, he says as follows, if I sleep today, then I may not sleep tomorrow. The formulation is, uh, prohibited as a korban are my eyes to sleep tomorrow if I sleep today. In this case, it's going in normal order. If I sleep today, then I might not sleep tomorrow. Rav Yudha would agree if I make that formulation that I'm allowed to sleep today. Now, in effect, the, it's the same thing. It, both formulations mean that I can sleep uh, either today or tomorrow, but I have to stay up one of those two days. doesn't matter which order I, I, ha- I say it in. Nevertheless, for Rav Yehuda, there is a difference. Um, if he says it in a straightforward way, if I sleep today, then I have to stay up tomorrow, then he has a choice and he can trigger it today, and it's okay because he will make sure not to sleep tomorrow. Why? Why does Avida make a distinction? It's kind of psychological. When people are not careful, they're not careful in the if part of it, but they are careful with the then part of it. So when I say the if today, then tomorrow, if I sleep today, then I cannot sleep tomorrow, and then today I trigger the if and I sleep, so then tomorrow, that's the condition, that's the main part of the vow uh, that uh, I said, if I sleep today, then I cannot tomorrow, I cannot sleep tomorrow, so I made a vow not to sleep tomorrow, so then that's trigger, that triggers the condition. People will be careful if they actually made a vow on the vow part of it. On the other hand, if I sleep to, if I say, if I, uh, if I sleep tomorrow, then I will not sleep today, and then I do sleep today, so I already violated the then part of it. People are not so careful with the if part of it when the if is tomorrow. Even though technically it's the same thing, if I violate the if, then retroactively I will have violated the vow. Nevertheless, psychologically, it's kind of it happened already, and now he's just not doing the if, even though, and he already did the then. So that's Rav Yehuda. Uh, he's saying psychologically, people will not violate the then, but they will violate the if. Therefore, if you said something in a backwards order, the then, and then the if, if tomorrow, then today, uh, then you should not do, a tri- you should not violate the then part today. Um, and that's why he says, um, in the, in the formulation we started with, the main one that we're discussing, if he said, um, if I sleep tomorrow, uh, then I, I'm not allowed to sleep today. He should make sure not to sleep today. That's Rav Yehuda. All right. Now here's the structure of the upcoming sugya. Uh, we're going to see five challenges to Rav Yehuda's opinion. We're going to leave Rav Nachman alone. He says you can sleep today, and then you'll make sure not to sleep tomorrow so you don't trigger the if 
and then you retroactively you'll be okay. Rav Yudah says we don't trust a guy because a person's gonna uh, sleep if they sleep today, then you're not gonna take the if seriously and you're gonna end up violating. So we're gonna have five challenges. The first one is going to be from our Mishnah, second one from a Mishnah later uh, in Masech Nedarim on 57a, the Resha. The third challenge will be from the Sefer of that Mishnah. The fourth challenge will be from the next Mishnah on 57b. And then the last challenge is going to be from a Baraita about eating bread. All right, so now we're going to start off with, go back to our Mishnah. Um, and before we get to the question, we're going to elaborate and explain our Mishnah exactly what the case is. That's a setup for the question. And then we'll see one answer by the anonymous Talmud Stam, and then we'll see a second answer by Ravina. He's going to be the one that says our Mishnah is only Midra Banan. Uh, so let's see. Here's our Mishnah. Tenan. Konam Shani Yashen. Shani Mahalech. Shani Midaber. It's permitted to me like a Korban for me to sleep or for me to walk or for me to, to uh, speak. Uh, and so on. What is the case that we're talking about? If you say a straightforward way, the, the, the simple reading of the Mishnah, that I'm not allowed to sleep, well, is that a neder? That's not, that sounds like shivuah, how that uh, I'm taking upon an obligation upon myself. But a neder, how can I make a neder about sleep? Uh, this might be a, 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 there is a Mishnah that's like this, but probably could be a, a referring to a Braita, the one that we already saw, uh, that's a little bit different in its wording. We saw that Shavuah is more stringent and includes more cases because a Shavuah can uh, be binding upon something that has substance or something that does not have substance. I can make uh, a Shavuah to say, I will not eat this bread that has substance, or I can make a Shavuah that I will exercise, or that I will sleep, or that I will not sleep. Sleep is not a, is not a physical object, and so that works for, for a Shavuah, but that's not true for a Neder. A Neder, I cannot make a Neder on something that is ephemeral. And Shena is not a physical object, it's an action. Uh, so this doesn't work. Rather, our Mishnah, we have to un explain, is referring to a case where a person says, my eyes are prohibited into sleep as a Korban. Okay, good. So now that we explain that, we're actually reformulating the uh, the language in our Mishnah, and it is a Neder, but the Neder applies to eyes, which are a physical object. My eyes cannot sleep. Good. Now that we explain that. Now, the case in the Mishnah looks like he gives no time limit. He says, I'm not going to, my eyes will not have sleep. Now, if you don't give a time limit, do we allow this uh, this vow to continue until he eventually violates a bal yacher? It's impossible for a person not to sleep more than uh, you know two, three days. It's impossible for a person to stay up that long, and so he's definitely going to violate. So, do we allow him to just you know, do we allow the vow to uh, remain, and then eventually he will violate it? We don't. If someone makes a shivua, 
this example is from a that he takes upon himself. I will not sleep for three days. So we know he can't fulfill the vow. So we don't even bother waiting for him to trigger and violate the vow. Instead, we um, we uh, give him lashes right away. Lashes is the punishment for violating a vow immediately. And then he can sleep he can sleep right away because he's going to eventually violate the vow anyway. So you may as well just violate it now and we're going to pre-punish you even before you violate the vow because you took a vow that was impossible to do. So you see that we do not allow a person to make a shivu'ah that is impossible to uh, fulfill. We don't let the shivu'ah continue. We just punish the person right away. That's the law regarding a shivu'ah. Regarding a neded, it just well, that doesn't even apply in the first place. Take a neded that's impossible. It makes it has no application, and you would not violate bal yachid. So therefore, our mishnah that says my eyes are prohibited from sleeping. Um, uh, it cannot be open-ended because if it has no time limit, then it's an impossible vow. And an impossible vow would not um, be a problem of bal yachel. So therefore, uh, we have to reinterpret our Mishnah. Rather, let's presume that our Mishnah is referring to an if-then statement, which is possible to uh, fulfill, and it does have a time limit. Uh, so maybe our Mishnah is a case where he said, um, prohibited are my eyes to sleep tomorrow if I sleep today. Uh, if, uh, so this is the straightforward one. If today, then tomorrow. If I sleep today, then I, cannot, I may not sleep tomorrow. Uh, so is that the case? That would be the, uh, the, the case that Rav Yudah agrees with that you would be allowed to sleep today. Um, Hold on, in that case, uh, Rabbi Yehuda said, anything that is prohibited, um, uh, that people are careful in the condition part of it. And so if I say I, I cannot sleep today, um, if I sleep today, then I may not sleep tomorrow. Why are you assuming that he would violate Bal Yachel? Um, you, uh, Rav Yehuda uh, said, agreed that if I do sleep today, then I will be careful on the next day, and so I'll be careful, and I won't violate Bal Yachel. We're reading the language of the Mishnah to, uh, to mean that we're assuming that he for sure violates Bal Yachel. Um, by doing this, he, uh, he automatically uh, violates. And so in this case, he, we presume he will not violate, because even if he sleeps today, Rav Yudah agreed that he'll be careful and not sleep tomorrow. So he's not going to violate Bal Yachel. So that can't be the case either. Rather, Pishita. Now, this is not really so Pashut. We're making a lot of Okim Tot, a lot of limitations, assumptions on the case of the Mishnah. But let's say, right, because there were problems with the other ones, this Mishnah could be talking about, we think it is talking about, a case of the retroactive uh, one. That I say, if I sleep tomorrow, then my eyes are prohibited from sleeping today. Uh, now, let's analyze. If I didn't sleep today, then, uh, then if, I, if I didn't sleep today, then even if I do sleep tomorrow, how did I violate I didn't, right? Because I didn't, uh, even if I sleep tomorrow and I triggered the condition, but I didn't sleep today. When is the, today is the then part of it. So I didn't violate How come the Mishnah said, 
if I say that formula, then I violated by Yechel Devado. I didn't necessarily violate it. Rather, it must be a case where we presume that he did sleep today. So again, he said, if um, I sleep tomorrow, then I may not sleep today. And he did sleep today. And that's why he will violate tomorrow, should he sleep. Therefore, from all this long discussion of what exactly is the case of the Mishnah, we have a challenge to Rav Yehuda because we see that the Mishnah is assuming that he will sleep on the first day. So again, if he says uh, a formula as follows, if I sleep tomorrow, then I may not sleep today. The Mishnah says, oh, that will violate Baal Yachel, should he sleep tomorrow. Well, why assume that? That's assuming that he sleeps today. That's right. So that would prove, Rav Nachman, that he's permitted to sleep today. If he's permitted to sleep, then we presume he is going to sleep today. And therefore, that, that's why, since he already violated the then part of it, um, uh, the next day, he, if he sleeps, he will violate Bal Yachel, and that's what the Mishnah is talking about. The Mishnah reads smoothly, according to Rav Nachman, it's a problem for Rav Yehuda, right? No, not necessarily. Kikatane de'im na'im. No, the Mishnah is just saying that, uh, he's not saying for sure he's going to violate Bal Yachel, he just meant that if he, if he did sleep today, then he'll have a problem tomorrow. Rav Yehuda says he shouldn't sleep today. Right, that's a good advice, and he really prohibits the guy from sleeping today uh, because he's going to put himself in trouble. So best not, do not sleep today, and that way you'll be okay tomorrow because people aren't going to be so careful, careful with the if. Um, but Bidi Avad, Rav Yudah would agree that if you went against Rav Yudah's advice and you did sleep the first day, then you will violate Bal Yachel if you also sleep the second day. That's what the Mishnah was saying as a Bidiavad, not saying as a Lecha Okay, so really the answer is, uh, is a simple reading of the Mishnah. It was not such a, such a difficult question in the first place, but nevertheless we're going to go through this and several more uh, examples that are similar uh, to fully clarify the, uh, the opinion. Uh, okay, that's uh, answer number one. And we have another answer for the Mishnah. Ravina said, you don't need all this, all these ukim taught that you're assuming that our Mishnah is talking about a case where he made a condition. If I sleep, uh, if I sleep uh, tomorrow, then I can't sleep today. Doesn't say that anywhere in the Mishnah. Rather, the Mishnah is a simple, uh, a simple case of it. I say, a person says, I may not sleep. Um, uh, I will not sleep. That's it. He says, I'm not going to sleep. And now, even though, if he says he's not going to sleep, technically, that on the Deoraita level, that is not going to trigger a neder, because that's not a neder. It's open-ended. Uh, it's referring to his sleep, which is ephemeral. So on the Deoraita level, he's fine. He's not going to violate anything. When the Mishnah says, Bal Yachel, he's going to violate the prohibition of making his words profane, that's only Midrabanan. The rabbis came and said, even though your, the formulation does not take effect, still, it's similar to something that takes effect. We want people to be careful. Try not to say those things as offense. Don't say that. And therefore, he violates Midrabanan. But really, the case is a straightforward case of a person who says, I will not sleep. 
That's all. It's not talking about the case of Rav Yehuda, so therefore it's no question to Rav Yehuda in the first place. All right, from the, the structure here, it looks like Rav Yehuda is answering the question against Rav Yehuda, but uh, it's, it's not necessarily so. Then that would mean that Rav Yehuda is responding to an anonymous statement. Um, uh, but uh, you can't prove here that the anonymous statements are earlier than Ravina. Um, it, they could be after. Ravina actually could be referring, could be just explaining directly the Mishnah. The Mishnah is problematic in and of itself. Why are you saying a word a neder if he's taking an obligation upon himself? And so he says, oh, this is the Rabbanan. So that could be that what Ravina was saying in the first place. The Gemara is bringing it here after that that first question and answer because it does also serve as an answer to the first question. Okay, uh, clarification on Ravina. What do you mean? Like, is there such a thing as that's only with Rabbanan? And we say, yes, there is in Vatanya, as we learned in a Braita that proves this. This is if something is permitted, on a technical level, it's permitted, but there are those who prohibit it. You're in a place where generally it's considered pro- prohibited. You shouldn't go and, and tell them, oh, it's totally permitted in front of them, uh, because you shall not profane his word. Um, that by going, you know, in a place where people, there, that's the general practice, the general opinion, is that some item is, is prohibited, and you go and say, oh, it's all permitted then people will lose their respect for the law as they understand it. And so don't, don't go and contradict what people believe. So here's a case where technically on a Doraita level, something is permitted, but just midrabanan. It's it's pro, it's prohibited, um, so that uh, people will not um, will will not look lightly on on the common practice on the rabbinic laws. So you see here, this is an example of lo yachel even though it's a pasuk being applied in a derabanan way. So there you go. Yes, lo yachel can can refer to a derabanan. Uh, prohibition. Okay, which is uh, really quite interesting. All right, now we finished the first response, first challenge. Now we're going to have a second challenge from a Mishnah later on. Tenan she'at nehenet li ada pesach im telechi lebet avich ad hechag. We're talking about a husband and wife here, and it seems that husbands were often upset by their wives going to visit the in-laws, the wife going to her own parents. Um, you know, the husbands didn't like the wife spending a lot of time away with the other family. They wanted to, the, their wives to stay with his family. Okay, so he obligates his wife to stay home uh, with a vow. And here's what he says. There, 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 at the time that he makes the vow, it's before uh, Pesach. And he says, um, If you go to your father's house from now, which is before Pesach, until the Chag is Sukkot. From now to Sukkot, then you are prohibited from getting benefit from me from now until Pesach. Now Pesach is before Sukkot. So the uh, the then part of it only applies till Pesach, although the if can be triggered anytime from now until Sukkot. So don't go to your parents' house from now till Sukkot. And if you do, then the, uh, the benefit that you get from me from now till Pesach will be prohibited. So this also works retroactively. The from now till Pesach part is concurrent, the if then. But the after Pesach, then she can trigger the if. And retroactively, if she did have benefit from him, 
usually if they're living together, she's having benefit from him, uh, then uh, benefit could be of any of any kind. You know, she he 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 gave her some food, whatever. Um, then she will have retroactively violated it. Okay, now um, let's see, let's analyze this case. Uh, if she ends up going to her father's house before Pesach, so she already triggered the if, then she may not have any benefit from him until Pesach. Because that was the if, that was the then, that you cannot have any benefit. So if she triggered the if before Pesach, then she cannot have benefit. And now we can derive from this. That's what the Mishnah, that was all from the Mishnah said. Now here's the Gemara's analysis. The Mishnah only says that if she went to her father's house before Pesach, then she is prohibited of having benefit. But if she didn't, if she did not go to her father's house before Pesach, then she is permitted to uh, to receive benefit um, uh, from from him before Pesach, um, right? Because uh, as long as she doesn't trigger the if, she can do the then. So you see that this Mishnah assumes that it's permitted to do the then part of it, even though uh, 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 even though there's a chance that she will trigger the if at some later point. But as long as she didn't yet trigger the if, she can do the then. All right, the application here is that she can decide, I'm going to have benefit from him. I'll be careful later on not to go to my father's house. And this is a challenge to Raviuda because it's the same thing. Um, if a man says, I'm not going to, uh, if I sleep tomorrow, then I may not sleep today. So the today is the then part. So the parallel would be, yeah. As uh, if I want, I can sleep today, and then I'll make sure not to sleep tomorrow. So this is a challenge to Rav Yudah, who says I'm not I'm not allowed to sleep today. Rav Yudah would should have said, should say in this case that she should not derive benefit from her husband the whole time until Pesach, even if she didn't go yet, because who knows if she'll go later. That's the question. Here's the answer. Amar Rav Yudah halcha lifnei Pesach asura veloka. The Biyaba explains that um, when it says here that if she did go um, before Pesach, then she's prohibited from getting benefit because she triggered the, 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 she triggered the if. That, the word asura means asura and she would get lashes. In other words, if she already went to her father's house before Pesach, then she may she is not allowed to derive benefit, and she does. She's going to get lashes because then she violated the vow. But lo halcha, if she didn't yet go to her father's house, she didn't trigger the if. Then asura be'alma. Then it's just a regular prohibition, but no lashes, because even Rav Yehuda would agree that if you if you trigger the then on the first day, it's prohibited, but you don't get lashes for it. He's just giving you a fence. You might be careful. Not to not to do that, so that uh, j- just in case you violate the if later on and retroactively trigger it. Uh, so the asura here is a different is asura and lashes. But you're right. Even if you don't trigger the um, the uh, the if you, even if you don't trigger the if, even if she didn't go to her father's house, still she has a a regular prohibition without lashes from um uh, from deriving benefit okay good so we solved that one and now we're going to go to the third challenge which is from the sefa of that very mishnah the sefa is a continuation of that law it says if she goes 
to her father's house after Pesach, then she violates Baal Yachel Devado. Right, again, the case is, the husband told her, um, if you go to your father's house anytime from now, which is before Pesach, until Sukkot, then you cannot have benefit from me from now until Pesach. And so this this clause says, if she goes to her father's house after Pesach, she violates Baal Yachel Devado. So we ask, the Gemara asks, If she didn't have benefit from her husband before Pesach, she made sure not to, as Rabbi Uda suggests that she should make sure not to, then why would you say she violates Baal Yachel? If she didn't have benefit, then she can trigger the if, because she didn't do the, she already didn't do the then. Rather, it must be that she did derive benefit, and from this we can learn that one is permitted to derive benefit, as Rav Nachman says. And this is a challenge to Rav Yehuda. You see, this Mishnah assumes that she had benefit, because it's permitted. If you're permitted to have benefit, why, why not? She would have benefit. And then afterwards, should she go to her father's house, then she violates Bal Yachel. So, Rav Yehuda, according to you, she wouldn't have had benefit. So, why would you say that she violates if she goes to her father's house after Pesach? And the answer is, Ki No, the Mishnah doesn't say she definitely violated Bal Yachel. It's saying an if. If she had derived benefit before Pesach, and then she goes to her father's house after Pesach, then she will violate Baal Yachel Devarol. It's not saying that she de- definitely did. She just said that she is under the potential of violating it should she go at any time afterwards, which is a reasonable reasonable reading of that Mishnah. Okay, and now we get to the fourth challenge from the next Mishnah, which happens to be on the next staff over there. Um, Tenan. It's very similar to the previous one. We're just uh, switching around the some of the deadlines. Um, a person says, the husband says, if you go to your father's house until Pesach, then you cannot have any benefit from me from now until Sukkot. So the time of the if is shorter, the time of the then is longer, the consequences are longer. Um, but she, but the, the if is shorter, so she only has to make sure that she doesn't go to, to her father's house from now till Pesach. Um, as long as she does that, she's fine. But if she does go to her, ha- her father's house from now till Pesach, then she's not allowed to derive any benefit all the way from now, all the way until Sukkot. So here, the most of the then is after the if, um, although from now till Pesach is concurrent, the if and the then. Okay, in that case, Halcha, the Mishnah says, Halcha lifneha Pesach, asura behanato ad hechag, umuteret lelech achad ha-Pesach. If she triggered the if, and she went to her father's house before Pesach, then she's prohibited from deriving any benefit until Sukkot, right? She triggered the if, so then she has to abide by the rest of the vow. Um, however, if she did trigger the if, um, she, or even if not, she is allowed to go to her father's house after Pesach. See, the after Pesach was never part of the if. She, he just said, if you go to your father's house until Pesach, so certainly she's allowed to go to her father's house after Pesach. Okay, now that's the end of the Mishnah. I think I'm not going to, here's its challenge. Halcha asura, lo halcha lo. You see here, it only says that if she triggered the, 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 the if, then she's not allowed to have um, any benefit from him until the holiday. That's uh, only if she did go. But what if she didn't go? 
right? She didn't go yet from, from, that, from the time of, uh, at any point, from the time he made the vow until Pesach. Well, then she, um, is not pro- then she is not prohibited. There is no Isur, and she could derive benefit from him. Right? If she wants, she can uh, derive benefit, and then she'll make sure not to trigger the... Uh, she'll, make, she'll not derive benefit the whole time, and she'll make sure not to trigger the if any time before Pesach. So you see that she is permitted to uh, derive benefit, and that's the challenge to Davyuda, because that would mean she's she's a person, the sleeping guy, would be permitted to sleep today, and he'll worry about the if later on. Um, and he'll make sure not to not to trigger it um, retroactively. Right here too, she can violate the she can uh, derive benefit, and she'll make sure right until Pesach she can vi- she can derive benefit before Pesach and make sure not to uh, trigger the if and not to go to her father's house before Pesach. So that's the challenge to Davyuda. We answer, Amarava, who had in the filo lo halcha asura. Halcha asura veloka, lo halcha asura bealma. Now, this word asura has two meanings. And over here, uh, in the Mishnah, uh, Rava says, no, it's the same law, even if she did not go, still prohibited. Rav Yudah makes a prohibition. You should never do the then, even if you didn't do the if. Don't do it. Um, but the asura here has the meaning of uh, asura and lashes. If she did go to her father's house, and then and then um, she is prohibited from deriving benefit. And she does. Not only is it prohibited, she'll get lashes. Lashes. But if she didn't go to her father's house and never triggered the if, then it's just a plain old prohibition. She shouldn't do it um, uh, as a safeguard. But if she does then she does not get lashes, similar to the answer that we had before. And that concludes the fourth challenge. And now one more challenge from a baraita. person says, if I go to that place tomorrow, um, I, go to, I go to the city tomorrow, then this bread is prohibited from me, for, 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 for me to eat today. So again, it's a retroactive. Uh, that way, if I eat it today, and then I go tomorrow ret- to the city, I will retroactively have violated this vow. Now, if he does eat it um, on this day, then he violates he violates the uh, law of going. Now, um, so apparently, he's allowed to eat it today um, because we're not concerned that he's going to go tomorrow. We're asking the question from the word achal, which seems to mean that, yeah, if he wants to eat it, he can eat it, right? And then just that, if he eats it, then he will be under the obligation of bal yelech, that he will not be able to go because he made, bal yelech is, a, is, not, a, is not a biblical term. Uh, it's, it's the language of his vow, right? If I, if I um, eat this, um, if I go there tomorrow, uh, then I cannot eat this today. Once he eats it today, he created this uh, violation, this uh, obligation upon himself not to go there tomorrow. But this Baraita assumes that he can eat it, right? We answer, no, that's against Rav Yudah. Rav Yudah would say he should, he's not allowed to eat it. We said, uh, Rav Yudah can answer, Mikatani ochel, achal katani, techi achal, yelech. It doesn't say ochel in the present tense that he can eat it, lecha techila. It says achal in the past tense, meaning bedi avad, if he violated Rav Yudah's, Rav Yudah's law, uh, Rav Yudah said, don't eat it. If he did, uh, then w- once he eats it, 
he will have, be under the prohibition of not to go on the next day. Um, but this not this Benaita is not saying that he is allowed to eat it or he should eat it. No, he really he shouldn't eat it. Okay, good. Now halach hare. This is the now the Benaita is continuing. The very same Benaita is continuing with a further question. Halach hare zebebal yachel debaro. If he did go, if he did walk to the city tomorrow, then he violates Bal Yachel Devaro. So, Mehalech lo vekashya lerav Yehuda. It doesn't say that he can go, um, uh, uh, walk. And uh, so, from the fact that it said he did walk and he already violates it, that assumes that he ate the bread. Uh, only if he ate the bread, that's when he, he walks. He, he, that, that's when should he walk, he violates Ba'yachel Devaro. So Zbaraita is assuming that he did eat the bread, and that's why if he walks, if it was according to Rav Yehuda, who says, don't eat the bread, then it should have said, Mehalech, go ahead and walk tomorrow. It's not a problem, right? You wouldn't violate anything by walking tomorrow. Why is Zbaraita assuming that if he walks, he violates? Because assuming that he ate the bread, because permitted to eat the bread. Challenge to Rav Yehuda. Answer, Amar lach Rav Yehuda, hu adin delitne mehalech. You're right, really, the Baraita could have, should have written mehalech. He can go tomorrow. It's not a problem. Uh, so why did it, why did it say as halach? I did the katani resha, achal, delamatni le, ochel, tanesefa, halach. Oh, it's just using parallelism. Since in the resha, it says achal, bedi avad, because he's really not supposed to eat it. But if he did, then he's gonna uh, then he's gonna create the prohibition upon himself and can't walk tomorrow. So since in the Resha it says achal, um, uh, because you know he doesn't want to say ochel because it's not but he should not eat. So so too the sefa uses halach bedi avad if he if he um, if he had eaten and walks. Then it's a problem. Um, uh, but really, if he didn't eat, then he can walk lechatechila. And uh, if not for the parallelism, it would say mehalech that he can walk because we assume that he did not eat the day before. And that concludes all the challenges against Rav Yehuda. All right, we have left just to explain the last case in the Mishnah, which was how konam shani mishamishech. All right, will be prohibited as a korban. For me to have relations with you, uh, to his wife, Hareze Bebal Yachel Devaro, that will uh, create a, a, an obligation, a prohibition of profaning his word, meaning it's a binding vow. Okay. Hold on, why is this a binding vow? After all, he is obligated to her from the Torah. As the Torah says, uh, for a married couple, he, the husband is obligated to provide her food, clothing, and conjugal rights. He cannot diminish them. Since he owes this to her, therefore he cannot make a neder, he can't make a neder to withhold from someone something that is already theirs. I can withhold from you something that's mine. Uh, but this, even though, I mean, his body is his own, but he already, by marrying her, obligates himself to her, so he does not have a right to make a neder against this biblical obligation that he owes to this to his wife. So it shouldn't really work. The answer is, The Mishnah must be talking about a case where he didn't say that korban, um, I'm prohibited, to to be to be have relations with, with with you, but rather the benefit, the pleasure of relations with you is prohibited to me. 
So he's making himself his benefit, his pleasure prohibited. Uh, and um, relations is not amenable to him. Uh, so he uh, he is permitted, in other words, to prohibit on himself having uh, having pleasure um, because he's not obligated to her for him to have to, to take pleasure in the act he just has to do the act with her he's not obligated um, by the Bible or by their marriage to um, derive benefit so he can derive he can prohibit himself from deriving benefit even though inevitably if he does have relations he's going to derive benefit so therefore he doesn't have to have relations he cannot have relations with her um, and if he did, that would violate Baal Devarah. So this is the way you can't uh, directly make a vow against what he owes her, but he can do so in an indirect way by making the object of the vow himself. And we can prove that this is so. The other way around, if a woman says, relations with, with me is forbidden to you. Right, you are pro- 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 prohibited to me. We say, sorry, this is an invalid vow, and we will force her to be with him. Because by marrying, she is obligated to him. Same same words as before. Mishtabed uh, la, he is obligated to her. She is obligated to him, and therefore the vow does not work. However, if the woman says, the pleasure of relations with you is prohibited to me, then that does make a binding vow, and we will not force her. Uh, that's it. That's uh, It's a binding vow. We cannot force someone to eat. We cannot feed someone something that's prohibited to, to him. And if we go and say, no, you have to have relations with your husband, and then that will end up, she'll, she will have benefit. And by having benefit, she will violate the vow, and that's prohibited. Okay, there may be other consequences to these vows, which is that if the, either the husband or the wife refuse uh, to have relations, um, then that, that, you know, the, this is a problem for the marriage and they may have to divorce. Um, but the point is, uh, is that if they say the, ma- the relations directly, the vow does not apply. If they only say, say regarding the benefit that they receive, then that vow, vow does apply. So that must mean, must be what the Mishnah was referring to in the first place. Baruch Adonai Amen v'amen.